Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. It's great to be back with you folks. Here we are moving along on Psalm number 85. And with me as always is my friend, my co-host, Stephanie Wesco. And uh, good morning, Stephanie. How's this Monday morning for you? Well, good morning, Doug. This Monday morning is imagined. So it's beautiful, sunny, warm, birds chirping. Wow. Wow. And that's how it is here anyway. So uh, (laughs) I'm glad you got some of that going on. And so as we move along and as we go through the uh, Psalms, today is genuinely an awesome Psalm. It's a deliverance. It's coming out of that bad place of 70 years of captivity. It's, it's coming back. To, and you know, that's what our lives are all about, Stephanie, is getting out of captivity. Yeah, it's true. We need to get out of captivity. We need to serve God. So many of us are held in captivity for different reasons. So many of us are outside of where we need to be with God and God's given us this wonderful opportunity, as the psalmist talks about here, and um, just being out of captivity, having revival. But, you know, there's something we do prior to that, my friend, and uh, what is it we do from here? Well, Doug, it is time for the Norton knuckleheaded moment. Praise the Lord. So, yeah, so you might be a knucklehead if... If you don't have a plunger in every bathroom that you're responsible for. I just want to be upfront about that, man. Plunges I, need to be available at all places. Because I don't, and I, you're right, it's a pain in the neck. Yeah. And uh, yeah. there's nothing worse than going into a bathroom and seeing it clogged with no plunger there. So that, you know, the person before you who does the clogging, they bail. And, uh, you know, their clogging is then put on your account. So what I'm saying to you, friends, Trust me, I live that life with a bunch of little kids. It doesn't matter if the yeah. plunger is sitting next to the toilet. And, friends, we just want to help you. You know, make sure you get the plungers in there. But anyway, we're moving on from that subject. That's not a great subject, but I feel That's like. disturbing. It's a little bit disturbing, but I feel like people needed to know that. And we're here to help people. You know, this mm-hmm. is about help. This is about what God <laughs> has for us. But here comes something much more important. It's Psalm 85. And, and, and again, as I mentioned earlier, that we know the Jewish people have returned to their land following 70 years of captivity. Now, I was looking at that this morning, Stephanie, and this was what was coming to my mind. 70 years is a long time. You know, I don't know what the life expectancy was 3,000 years ago. I'm not sure what's going on at this exact time that uh, we're hearing from the psalmist, but certainly 70 years people have been born lived their whole lives, had family, become grandparents, all those different things, and uh, buried families, been through everything, and never got to see freedom, never got to see their land. Seventy years went by. Seventy years is a big hunk of time. Yeah, it is. Did I lose you there for a minute, or are you just kind of... No, I didn't know you were looking for a response. It's a little tougher when I don't see you. Well, so we have not seeing going on here, folks, so we got to be up front with you. 
So sometimes when we saw each other, she could make these actions and moves like, don't talk about the plunger, that kind of thing. And she can't do that now. So I have a little bit more available to my arsenal. So here we are. So 70 years. So think about this, Stephanie. This is the question to you. I'll bring this back. 70 years. What is 70 years in today's life? Well, that's, that'd be almost for a lot of people. That'd be the average. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're looking at 70 years. I, I talked to a guy on the phone the other night and friends, this is what I want to talk to you about. Those of us with hurting hearts, those of us with PTSD, those of us who uh, deal with different things. I talked to a guy the other night who's been sitting on his couch for the last year. He spent one year sitting on his couch. He hasn't done a thing. And he said to me, he said, Doug, you know, if I die right now, what do I say to God when he says, what have you done for me the last year? And I'm saying I laid on the couch, I watched NCIS, I watched this, I, I, I binged on Netflix, I binged on Prime, I worked a little bit from home, I watched a few church services, but I haven't done a thing. Can I tell you something, my friend, and I believe this with all my heart. Boy, the devil's using things like this pandemic. The devil's using things, uh, especially for those of us with hurting hearts especially for those of us who suffer from PTSD. The, the devil wants us to be terrified. He wants to be sitting in the corner. He wants to take the captivity that we've been in for the last year and turn it into something permanent. Mm. And, yeah. And, and so, folks, I'm telling you that we don't need to be in captivity anymore. If you, uh, whatever it is you need to do to feel safe, wear your mask, get the vaccines, whatever makes you feel good, get that out of the way and start serving God. It's, mm-hmm. it's time to get off the couch. It's time to get out of the house. It's time to move along. And uh, everything's going to be all right. I can't even imagine. I can't even tell you what, uh, what Stephanie, Debbie, and I have done in the last year. We've been together maybe seven or eight times, blowing up churches, doing music, uh, uh, God just uh, doing a work and things of that nature. You get to be part of that. You get to sit there in the church and learn and and talk to people and love people and care people. So I, I just wanted to point out, and, and this is no shameless attempt to make anybody feel shameful or anything like that. This is an attempt to say, stop being terrified. Read the book of Philippians chapter 1. I think it's over there in Philippians one twenty-eight. Is Not letting the adversary keep us terrified. Not being held in that type of captivity. It's time to move out. It's time to serve God. It's And, you know, and maybe you can't do that on your own. You know, uh, I think, Stephanie, this is the way I've always felt, and I'm not sure how you feel about this. I think the same way. But I feel like that if we're not careful, we try to do things in a vacuum. And so we start doing our own counseling to ourselves. You know, we're more or less, we, we don't want to talk to somebody else because they may tell us something we don't want to hear or, or they may know something about us that, that we don't want them to know. But the truth be told, God uses his people to counsel his people, to work with his people, to mentor his people. And, and where would we be, Stephanie, without having each other? Yeah, we'd be, we'd be in trouble. God meant the body of Christ to work together. Um, that's the reason it's called the body. That's right. Um, and, you know, I think obviously one of Satan's key goals with this pandemic, with the restrictions is to handicap that body. Sure. Sure. And, uh, we make a choice whether we're going to let Satan win or we're going to ask God for his wisdom on how to keep that from happening. And God will give wisdom. He'll give direction. He'll give protection. He will. He will. And we got to remember that this is a battle. This is a struggle. This is a daily thing. We have to put our armor on. We have to be armed with the sword. 
Uh, we need to be ready to move out. So I say all that to say this. I've talked to so many people, Stephanie, who've been in captivity. I've talked to so yeah. many people who, you know, they, and, and one of the biggest things, and, and from a guy perspective, I really don't know a girl perspective. You can share that or from a lady perspective. But from a guy perspective, a lot of guys don't like sharing things with their spouses or significant others or their folks. You know, they don't want to say, hey, this is how I feel. This is why I'm going through this. And, and I think they're missing out on some good counsel or some close fellowship in that way. Now, are women kind of that same way? Yeah, women need fellowship, I think, for the most part. Um, they need that communication. Yeah. Important. Well, and I, I think, and, and I think we as men miss that sometimes. We as men miss that. And see, I'm an over-communicator, and you know that about me. So I'm, I'm like one of the exceptions. You know, if, uh, uh, you know, if Debbie's having a bad day with me, I'll, you know, I'll go upstairs and wake her up at one in the morning and say, what did I do to you? You know, man, I'm all in, man. I just, uh, I can't handle it, man. It's that whole PTSD and OCD and DUMB stuff that just attacks me. But here we are, we're on Psalm number 85 and there's a lot going on. And, and the Bible says, the word of God says, Lord, thou has been favorable unto thy land. Thou has brought back the captivity, the captivity of Jacob. Thou has forgiven the inequity of thy people. Thou has covered all their sin, Selah. Thou has taken away all their wrath. Thou has turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God of salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Will thou be angry with us forever? Will thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Will thou not revive us again? that thy people may rejoice in thee. Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. He will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh, them that fear him is nigh, them that fear him, and glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and the righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. And Stephanie, just as we were talking a minute ago, coming out, here they come out of captivity, and immediately the psalmist is talking about wanting revival, wanting things to be right this time. He said, man, we're coming out of captivity. You know, maybe I've never even seen what it's like to be in our own land. Maybe I've never been through this. I mean, what's coming to your mind? We just went through that psalm. And what's sticking out to you in the first part of that psalm? Wow. I think it's amazing. Um, this is a psalm of praise to the Lord and and yet a psalm of crying out to God to do more, crying out to God to, um, I think it's a cry for revival. Um, yeah. It's a cry of faith. You know, um, this, whoever wrote this, um, this psalm, you know, the, they're pointing out here, God, you've forgiven us. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to, to remember that the whole concept of forgiving sin and covering sin are synonymous. Um, and a little side note, you know, if someone's hammering you of love covers a multitude of sins, that verse is one of the most abused verses in the Bible. 
Yeah, um, yeah let me then, slap you around and then say, oh, you need to get over this. Love covers a multiple of sins. Yeah. Exactly. If you bring this up to me and confront me with me, um, you know, if I've abused you and you dare to come to me and say, look, you, have, you, you what you did was wrong, don't you dare do that because love covers and that shouldn't be a big deal to you. It's water under the dam. And that is not what that verse means. And that concept of covering goes along with forgiveness. And forgiveness is on, only happens when someone repents. Um, yeah. And we're talking where sin is involved. Yeah. And so the idea here is that the people had turned back to God and he had forgiven them. He had covered their sin. There was that sense in which it was under the blood because they had sought forgiveness Hence, forgiveness was there, and thou, you know, verse three, thou hast taken away all thy wrath, thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger, and yet, verse four, there's still the cry of, turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease, that sense in which that cry, even in the sense of knowing there's forgiveness, even in the sense of knowing there's all these things already there, that constant saying, God, turn us towards you even more. Um, because we know, you know, the Bible says that God's angry with the wicked every day, and we're all, our hearts are all desperately wicked. Yeah. Um, apart from Christ, moment by moment, we are wicked. We're, we're, um, it's only by his grace and mercy that we aren't constantly living under his wrath and judgment. And so that sense in which this is a cry of, Lord, we know you've forgiven us. We know that we've turned to you, and yet God keep turning our hearts towards you, keep brooding out anything in us that would be keeping us um, from your blessing that would be causing you to be angry with us. And um, verse six is just a beautiful, I love verse six and verse seven. Um, I think they're two of my favorite verses. Wilt thou not revive us again? In other words, Lord, would you bring us back to normal? Would you bring us back to what normal life in Jesus Christ, to put it in our New Testament terms, yeah. All revival is, is a return to normal. Exactly. And God, would you bring us back to a normal relationship with you? And I think it's important to understand that even when someone gets saved, there's that sense in which they're forgiven. They're automatically, when someone places their trust in Christ, they're forgiven. They're automatically under the blood. Those sins are covered um, by the blood of Christ. And yet life may not be normal. Life may have ups and downs. It may have twists in it that are still a mess, even after someone gets saved. And the constant cry of a child of God saying, Lord, would you revive me? Would you bring me back to normal? Would you bring me back to what life in you is supposed to look like? And no matter the age of a believer, no matter how long they've been saved, yeah, it's yeah. the cry of every believer. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know that old song, Revive Us Again? And, uh, mm -hmm. well, these people are living that song. It's real to them. You know, they're, they're, he's coming right out of the chute, I think, like you said in those first three verses, and they're thanking God, hey, we got out. You know, our yeah. captivity's done. This has been settled. Everything's going good. This is working. But, mm -hmm. then, but then he gets to that point that you were just talking about in four through seven where he's saying, we want a renewed life. We want to be revived. You know, you've given us this great gift. You've taken us from captivity. You've brought us to that place. And this is where, you know, <clears throat> this is a picture of salvation. Those first, uh -huh. you know, that, hey, we want to change now. We want to be different. God will save us right where we are, but he's not going to leave us there. 
And, and it doesn't matter what we're going through or what we've been through or the junk. Everything begins when we uh, have a revival and uh, when, mm-hmm. when we're revived. And, you know, you may say, well, I just got saved. I don't need to be revived. Well, you need to come to that place where you have a relationship with God uh, that is a renewed life, a completely different life than you have when you don't have God. It's that emptiness that all of us have that needs to be filled. It's that emptiness. And and then we go to those end verses, Stephanie. And I mean, those kind of touch me too, starting there in verse eight. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to their folly. So he, he said, and we don't want to, God's not going to let us turn again. This is a decision that we make. You know, I, I found out a long time ago that if I go back and look at the bumps in my life and the messed up things in my life since I've got saved, you know whose fault those things were? Mine. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's been some knuckleheads in there. You and I know that. There's been some people who hurt us. And, and But he's saying, surely his salvation, it's nigh to them that fear him. It's, it's right there. It's next to us. And the glory may dwell in a land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. You don't get better than kissing each other. So there they are together, right next to each other. They're hooked together. And uh, righteousness and peace come hand in hand. You want peace? Be righteous. You want uh, mercy? Be truthful. I mean, it's coming together. It's telling us what we need. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him and shall set us in the way of his steps. So as we're coming down and as we're looking at this, you know, this, this whole verse is saying, God, you took us from this great terribleness, from yeah. this great dearth in our lives, from this place where we couldn't get anything done, from this place where our bodies were owned, from this place where we were held captive. And now you've given us our freedom. You've set us free. We give thanks to you for that in those first three verses. And then we want to come to you, God, and we want to say, we don't want to take this for vanity, uh, take advantage of this or take this for granted. We want to step out and make a difference. So we're asking him for a renewed or revived life. And, and then we're getting at the end, and he's saying, we're going to listen to you, God. We want to hear your message. Help us to do right. Help us to say things. Help, you know, help us to, to be part of these things that will make a difference because mercy and truth are met together. And uh, yeah. your righteousness from heaven, I mean, your mercy, your righteousness, these, these things are all coming together. Well, we need to, to get his mercy. We need to, um, we need to be truthful. And uh, uh, his righteousness causes peace. And she'll, so, truth shall spring out of the earth when we're revived. And I think what it's doing at the end of that, Stephanie, I guess not to make this too complicated, but I think it's drawing this all together in this last minute or so and saying, hey, you want good things in your life? They're all hooked to a great relationship with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to feel increase in your life? Well, you better be studying your Bible. You better be making a difference. You better have a good prayer life. Mm-hmm. You better be doing these things. And if you do them... We can see your healing. We can see your peace. We know that God's righteousness. And so in 30 seconds or so, Stephanie, what are you thinking we tell the folks practically coming out of Psalm 85 here? Well, I see um, practically speaking, just um, honestly, what's coming to my mind from where I sit is, is that of, you know, we're supposed to in our lives exemplify Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is mercy and truth met together. Jesus Christ is righteousness and peace um, kissing each other. In other words, 
where um, being a zealot isn't what makes you happy. Um, where, you know, Jesus Christ obviously was the personification of holiness and truth, and yet he was the personification of mercy and peace. And where it's not us trying and striving to be Christ-like, it's Christ, the, the, the life of revival is Christ in us. It's him living his life through us. And coming to that point of a relationship with him where we're seeking him constantly to create in us a clean heart and to change us into his image then we won't be having to constantly worry about are we are we doing this right? Because when we're living His life and He's living through us, it's what will it's what will flow from us. Yeah, yeah. No, there we go. That's it. Wrapped up there, folks. And we got to live that life. So this week, this day, this Monday, uh, it's all about it's all about God, what He can give us. So, Ayata captivity. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? The answer is no. Listen to everything Eric's got to say to you. But if you have, it's time to start accepting that uh, mercy. It's time. Uh, it's it's it, you know it's it's time to live that truthful life. It's time to take God's righteousness and do something with it. And listen, folks, we sure do love you. Please make sure you contact us if you need anything. And we're looking forward to talking to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.